do we have what it takes or can we develop what it takes to stand up for what's right? This is Rabbi Yitzhak Price with another episode of Tahoe's Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcast. We're up to the Torah portion of Lech Lecha, a portion in which we highlight the life of Avram and Sarai, later to become Avraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And we'll kind of switch it, probably call him Avraham or Abraham, even though for most of this portion, he stole Avram without that extra hey or ha. And Avram, quite a few elements of the Parsha relating to his own behaviors, but there's an intriguing lesson from something that's less of the behavior than the way he's described and why he's described this way when he is described this way. Avram is called Avraham Ha'ivri. Abraham, the Ivri, the word Hebrew, Ivri, Ivrit is the Hebrew language, Ivri is the Hebrew, Abraham, the Hebrew. We Jewish people are sometimes referred to as the Hebrews. What in the world does this word mean? The Hebrew, the Ivri, and it comes from one of three different ideas that all click together within Avraham. The word Aver means across, from the other side. The English word over comes from the Hebrew term over, conjugating this term over to cross over something. So over is over. And Abraham had crossed over the river. He came from the other side. He's the one who had crossed over the Euphrates to come to this territory. And he was referred to as the crosser over or the one who came from elsewhere. Aver would also mean he's on the other side conceptually. He is not in sync with the culture of our the immediate territory over here in Canaan. He stands for something other than our behaviors. He is otherly, and he is from elsewhere conceptually. So over, again, aver, ivri, all tied together from the other side geographically, from the other side culturally and in behavior, as well as aver was the name of one of Abraham's great-grandfathers going up about another six or seven greats after Noah, Noah has three famous sons, Shem, Ham, and Yefes. Shem, from whom all Shemites or Semites develop. Shem has a grandson by the name of Aver. And Shem and Aver are seen as the spiritual descendants of Noah as the prophet and the connector to God, the ones who are the most spiritually excellent of Noah's sons and of the future generations. And Avraham is the one descendant of Aver who maintains the Aver approach. Now, initially, Avraham was reared as a pagan as the world had shifted heavily into paganism, at least a good part of the world. And Avraham's own father, famous as having his uh, idol shop. But Avraham had broken loose from that, had elevated himself above that, and had become Aver-like, reconnecting with that theme of his great-grandpa Aver. So Avraham is the Ivri, and all these relate to his being something other than the standard in this region. But intriguingly, he's given this title once within our Parsha, and it is kind of almost like secondary. It's describing there had been a battle, a battle between four kings and five kings, and the five kings were fleeing the four kings, and in the process, the city of Sodom is conquered and Lot's nephew, I'm sorry, Avram's nephew, Lot, has been taken captive. And the text describes that a refugee came, a palit, someone who escaped, 
came to tell Avram about what happened. And in that context, it describes he came to tell Avraham Ivri. He came to tell Avram the Hebrew what had transpired. And then the text continues, Abraham heard, understood that his nephew Lot had been taken captive, and he opts to go to battle to retrieve Lot. Why at this juncture is Avram given this title of Abraham the Hebrew, Abraham the Ivri, and why specifically at this juncture? And some of the commentaries draw attention to the fact that something seems to be missing when telling us that this refugee came to tell Avram. You would think the text would highlight he came to tell Avram, the uncle of Lot, about his nephew being taken captive. Reading the text, it seems like he was telling him general news about the battle and not highlighting anything to do with Lot and not necessarily even recognizing that Avram was the uncle of Lot. And some suggest that he came to tell Avram not knowing that Avram was the uncle of Lot, but knowing that Avram was an Ivri. His reason to tell Avram what had transpired is because Avram was the Hebrew, again, meaning that Avram was one who stood out in the crowd. He was otherly. He did not simply act as a bystander to that which was transpiring, but he expected that if there's anybody that's going to take action to right a wrong, if there's anybody that's going to try to protect the innocent, that is going to be Avram. And hence, he's giving this message to Avram. Going this approach, if we understand that Avram was perceived as being the Ivory, as being somebody who doesn't let injustice prevail, somebody's going to stand up to try to correct wrongs and intercede, that tells us something interesting about ourselves, ourselves as the heirs to that title of Ivory. And even if maybe Jew is a more common description of us than Hebrew, uh, but they're actually it's interesting. In early America, a lot of uh, he, congregations that were known as a certain Hebrew society or uh, Hebrew institution. But the reality is that the term Ivri is one that is associated with us throughout history. When Jonah is running away and he's on a boat and he is, there's a storm and there's a recognition that's related to Jonah himself. And they ask, who are you? What's the story? He declares, Ivri Anochi. That's, and I I am a Hebrew, and God is my God. Uh, the way of describing I am somebody who is not simply part of the masses when they are spiritually void, empty, failing, corrupt. I'm something other than that. I have to recognize that. I have to reflect on that. I have to internalize that. I have to live that. This idea to be able to have the courage, the capacity to stand up for what's right. Avram goes to war to retrieve Lot. Not always easy, not always something we actually can do depending on the circumstances, but that every title demands that we at least be cognizant of the fact that that's part of what we are meant to be doing, meant to be able to do. How? How do we develop the capacity though when the masses aren't doing what's right, or the society around us isn't doing what's right, or the group at this table at the social affair aren't talking what's right. And when the uh, people in my sphere, social, family, work, are doing things that are simply wrong, how do I develop the strength, the stamina to be able to not simply 
avoid my personal falling into this trap and my personal sharing in this failure, but how do I stand up against that what is wrong? I believe a combination of factors. We require the motivation which comes from caring about right and wrong. Really caring about right and wrong. Really, really caring and knowing this really does matter. Right is right, wrong is wrong. It's not all relative truths and whims of the moment. Well, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong and I have to stand opposed to that which is wrong. Now, that does require that we immerse ourselves in the study and the knowledge to be able to be able to ascertain and discern between right and wrong. It is not always crystal clear. Knowledge is the most essential tool to be able to make those distinctions as well as turning to others for guidance when Pinchas, <coughs> the famed eventual Kohen, he wasn't a Kohen yet, the famed zealot who stands up and murders in the eyes of all those that view this as wrong, or does a holy act of killing by those who properly understand the story. The tribal leader of Shimon and the princess of Midian, but he double checks with Moses first. Didn't you teach us that under these circumstances, this is what to do? So one has to be motivated, one has to be secure that they're making the right decision, their personal knowledge, checking away the resource of their guide, of their mentor, of the Torah teacher who can direct them in the right direction. We have to value our personal responsibility. We have to value our personal capacity. <clears throat> we have to recognize the risk of not getting involved, of just how damaging the outcome can be for the victim of this problem and for ourselves as having allowed this to happen. Now, sometimes people feel, well, like, wait a minute, this requires a certain degree of both self um, esteem and self-projecting -pro oneself and one's, one's version of what's correct on the other. And isn't that contrary to the Jewish trait of modesty and humility? Well, let's think about that. And the most humble among men, Moses described as Anav Mikol Adam, the Torah itself, God attesting to the fact that Moses is the most humble. What's the first thing we know about Moshe? Much later on in the Torah, the first encounter we have with Moshe, where he is exercising his own judgment, as opposed to where he's the baby that is being tended to by the daughter of Pharaoh, but where he is doing something is when he has grown and he goes out to see what's happening to his brethren. And when he sees that there's something wrong happening to his brethren, he takes action. Here we have the most humble of all men, not allowing himself to just be you know, at a distance and detached and uncaring and not even allowing himself when being the bystander to let it go, but to, to intercede. So very much uh, not in contrast, but they can fit together because the real humility is that sense I recognize that there's somebody, there's a being who knows more than me. There are people who know more and God dictates what's right and I yield to that. And God wants us to stand for that which is, stand up against that which is wrong, intercede. This Ivri, that Avram is the Ivri, and since he's the Ivri, this refugee can anticipate that he will want to take action if he at all can to try to correct this wrong. Ivri manifests later on in the life of Moses, manifests later on in the life of all of those who stand up 
for the truth, stand in opposition to that which is evil. Now, I'm going to do something which is not typical in these podcasts and share a challenge to everything I've just said. It's not going to challenge the truth of the message, but it may challenge the degree to which this is really the thinking of the refugee. So I'm standing by the fact that we have to be willing to stand up for what's right. I'm standing by the fact we have to have learn and immerse ourselves in knowledge to know what's right. I'm standing by the fact that we have to recognize we have the capacity to do so and give ourselves that encouraging uh, boost to uh, you know, applaud ourselves when we stand up for what's right and encourage ourselves to do that. But I will raise the following issue. I'm curious to get your feedback. Feel free to share your thoughts. As always, talklesscoaching at gmail.com. What would the refugee have been thinking if he didn't know Avram to be the uncle of Lot? And he knows Avram to be the Ivory who stands up for what's right. Would he really expect that Avram would come to the defense of these particular five kings? The five kings who had fled the four, as we first experienced those kings in this very parsha, the text gives us their names, and Rashi points out that their names reflect their being evil. So, for example, one is called Bera, the name Ra means bad. One is called Birsha, Russia means evil. One is called Shinav, which Rashi says comes from Soneav, hates his father. One fascinatingly is called Shemaivir, means he put on a wing to try to fly to do battle with God. Whatever he's thinking, beyond our discussion right now, but would I expect that Avram, who stands up for what's right, would come to the defense of kings who were wrong? Maybe there's a, a separation between the kings and their populace. Maybe their populaces were not yet guilty, even though Sodom will see fairly soon is a very evil territory. I don't know. Leave this as a question. But that's just back to a technicality. What would the refugee have been thinking in this context if he did not know that Avram is the uncle of Lot? But the reality is that overall, Avram as the Ivri is expected to stand up for that which is good. Avram does stand up for that which is good. We as his heirs should learn to do so if we can develop those tendencies to not allow ourselves to be the bystander who just lets it ride, don't want to make a ruckus, don't want to kind of ruffle anybody's feathers, but learn to do appropriate interceding, meaningful interceding when it can be a tool towards the correcting that which is wrong and seeing to it that we become a greater society then we as individuals will become all the greater all the more legitimate bearers of this title of every and all the more likely to be the type of people who will be destined to achieve our